This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm Wayne Barton, joined by the legendary Manchester United former defender, Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul? I'm fine, thank you very much, Wayne. The intro is maybe, even for you, I mean, legendary well. I, would just, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't use that word. It's, it's the... Um, the, the philosophy of beauty is in the eye of the beholder so whatever <laughs> I say is my opinion so and, it, and it's correct so um, as everything I say is correct so you just have to put up with it Paul at some point it will plateau because I can only go so far in saying kind words and then there'll be no more I'll have to invent some kind words <laughs> for you um, Talking Devils is brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts um, Classic Football Shirts have a, a range of classic shirts and sportswear in um, their physical stores and online listeners to this podcast can get a 10% discount with Classic Football Shirts using TOTD10 at checkout online um, thanks everyone for listening and the kind words of the podcast last week remember if you do enjoy the show give us a nice rating or review on Apple Podcasts because it does help us a lot and of course obviously subscribe if, if you're not already so that sound you hear is 100,000 Manchester United supporters crashing back down to earth after one point from six in the league after a defeat to Sheffield United and a draw at Arsenal um, before we begin with that um just wanted to say a very quick note on the racist abuse that um, has been dished out to Axel Twanzebi and Marcus Rashford online, obviously not in the stadium. And thank God, um, we know it wouldn't have happened in the stadiums because just United fans aren't like that. But no crowds means the online idiots have their voices amplified. They, they even associate their name with Manchester United as a shame a deep deep shame for them to, they've got to carry that around as human beings um, now this is a week where we're in a certain state of remembrance of the past the build up to the anniversary of Munich puts us all in a place where we sit and consider all of the good, good things that are associated with the club and we have to put up with this it's just ridiculous I don't have an answer to the physical response to racism at football grounds but I do support and we've talked about it before anything that's zero tolerance this episode of the social media stuff it has to be a breakthrough moment where social media sites start making individuals accountable make it so that people are identifiable they have to show proof of ID or something to have an account so that they're traceable I don't know where you go with um, the you know Minors, the under 16s who aren't old enough to know better, to give them education or something like that, but it has to stop. And this is a landmark moment for, for them to do that. I mean, every, everyone's a landmark moment. I don't know why we said one's worse than the other. Everything is unacceptable. Just stop it. That Anyway, that's it. Um, on that, I don't think there's any point dwelling on it. Marcus Rashford said it perfectly on his social media, and it's also been said elsewhere as well. Um, that's just a you know obviously if we don't talk about it it'd be neglectful almost um there's also certain things in the football poll that are almost um neglectful to to avoid talking about it so um normally we do start with the games and we go oh this game happened and then that game happened but this theme over the games is so dominating that i I wanted to start with it which is anthony martial's form and before anyone begins, some people will listen to this and say, oh, he's throwing Martial under the bush, you always do this, and Rashford's been just as poor. He has been poor lately, Rashford, and he does need to improve. He has also shown more flashes of good form this season. That's why I'm concentrating on Martial. And what I see, Paul, is a player who has reacted to the signing of Cavani the same way he did with Zlatan and Lukaku. 
he sulked. And, and this is stupid because he's still getting a load of chances. He's still being the main striker, but he hasn't taken that chance. Now, for me, and this is where I am going to be critical, and Paul, you might have to stop me if you think I'm, I'm going in too hard on him, but for me, I look at him over these last two games and it's just reinforced what I already thought. He doesn't have the instinct of a centre-forward. And having watched this for four years now, I'm close to making or coming to the conclusion that I don't think he's even a good dribbler. And people will say, oh, what are you talking about? But one-on-one, when a defender has to make a 50-50 decision, that's where Marcel's at his best. But you put him out wide and you put another player in front of that defender and he has to be in a specific position, cutting him from the left to be effective. Now, people are going to laugh at this... I th- honestly think if you watch a tape of Andy Cole or Dwight York, you would have to say that they're better dribblers than Martial. York, maybe that's an obvious one, but Cole, I, I still say that he's a better dribbler than what Martial is. Oh, oh, yeah, he was a better dribbler than what Martial is. And Rooney in the early days, or even in his later days as well. And what I mean by this is there is a key difference. Those players smelled goals and they wanted to score. Every time they went past someone, it wasn't to go past the player just to have it on your highlight reel. It's to get to the intention of getting closer to goal. You watch Martial and there's never any second element to what comes after it. Even if he does beat the man, he can get in a one-on-one with a player, get past them, and he goes straight into a cul-de-sac. He's not looking at what he's supposed to be doing. The thing is for me, Paul... We know he's good and bad, but he's gone missing against two of the most generous defences he's going to get this season, and he's made Sheffield United and Arsenal look good. Yeah. I, am I being too? I, I I'm not saying he's the main <clears throat> reason. I'll get onto the games in a moment, but his form over the last couple of games, Paul, is is really really been poor, hasn't it? It's been poor for quite a while. I've always questioned his inconsistencies, really inconsistent, which is. Not really a Manchester United player at all, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I think Ollie's, I don't know if Ollie's been too sentimental with him. I've been talking about Marcus Rashford for quite a while. Quite a while I've talked about his form. Um, I even mentioned it, um, when I mentioned it somewhere else, and someone's come back and had a go at me. But look, you can't have a go at him. He's doing all this and he's doing all that for children. He's, and my answer to that is great, fantastic. But his priority is his job. His job is, and what his, what his love is, which, which he always does say, his love is Manchester United and winning things with United. That's got to be at the front of his mind, as far as I'm concerned, because that has put him in the position of where he is at the moment, all this stuff, everything he's doing regarding getting children fed. That's what's got him there. That's the reason why he is at the front of that campaign because of what he done playing for Manchester United. And the, and the best way he can he can do both jobs really well more than is to be become what he was that got him in that position was a really good player for Manchester United. And sometimes you can have you can do too much before you've actually finished off. What you what you're best at, and he hasn't finished. He has his job hasn't stopped at Manchester United. He can still he's still got plenty of room to improve as a footballer. Mm. Plenty and plenty of room, because when it comes to decision making, he isn't the best. No, I agree so, with that. He's been, he, he has been poor. Yeah. He has been poor, and there's been many times he's tried to beat people, and they've got three people standing behind them, mm. and then all of a sudden throws himself to the floor looking for a foul, you know, and that's football in general anyway. So he has been very, very inconsistent. 
Uh, I would say that there's more glimpses from him than what there is Martial. There's more, maybe that bit, little bit more belief that he, there's something at the end. Yeah. Um, that doesn't, that doesn't as well let Mason Greenwood get away with it. Scores a very good goal against Liverpool, flashes, but even then, since um, what happened on his international trip, he hasn't responded in the right way as far as I'm concerned. Phil Foden has. Yeah. Phil Foden has gone and grabbed it and everyone's talking about his football. But with, with uh, Mason Greenwood, everyone's talking about the effect that might have had on him from um, what happened when he was away of England in Iceland. Yeah. So, and, and so that's the prob- So that's the difference between a player who suddenly realised that he lost focus on what he what he what what his intentions were, and he's got himself in line to somebody who's lost focus, who still hasn't embraced that he lost focus, and is still maybe in a way feeling sorry for himself. Yeah. I think with Greenwood and, and Rashford, they're obviously a little bit younger than Martial, but also you think that if they did get like a not Cavani, but let's say another top-class striker, and that that could bring the best out of both of them. And we will obviously talk about the other emergency areas in the team, um, probably in this podcast, but it's hard to see how Martial, with everything that's happened, because he's obviously got he's got the next three or four months to sort of see how, you know, whatever happens now. It's hard to see how he's going to go into next season as first choice. And you start to now look for these next two or three months, Paul. Perhaps it's better if you look at the fact that someone might still see the potential in him and see the value in him as an asset. You know, I was saying this about Paul Pogba maybe eighteen months ago. You think because his 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 basement of performance, Paul, is so poor. He's so poor. Um, he might as well not have been playing on at the weekend because he was that bad. Um, you know, we looked like we had ten men for some of the first off with um, when Scott McTominay thing, and then obviously when he came on for that ten minutes before half time, it looked like we had a better balance. But then after that, it was just—I don't know. I—I I, just—I am of that belief now that I think he's—he's he's obviously going to get this next three or four months. But maybe it is better if we just sort of move him on in the summer. Do you think that's too harsh, or do you think he? Um, do you think it's time, or do you think he's still got something to offer? I think I think the majority will definitely go that way now. There's always going to be people who believe there's something there, and there is there is something there. But at the end of the day, it's only going to come out properly if if he wants it to come out. And it's you just don't know. And when you get those little spells when he goes and four, five, six games when he goes and score goals, you're going yes. But when you look how much United paid for him, what five, six years ago. Mm. You look at that and you think to yourself, you haven't seen anything to really kind of, to make you think, yes, this is it, we've, we've got him. There's gonna, gonna be a massive, um, you know, you know it's good. when you move him on, if he was to leave, you think, right, we're gonna get more than that because he's gonna go on to a Barca or a Real Madrid. And you look at him and you think to yourself, you're not even gonna get maybe 50% of your, what you paid for him back. You know, and yeah. and United. It's been too long now, and Oli can't. And I use the word again: sentiment. It, it costs you, because the end of the day, you get nothing back for it except people wanting wanting you to get sacked. Mm. And if you're going to go down, go down, being positive and going down what you believe are the real people who are going to fight for you because they're fighting for themselves. I don't think Martial is one of those, but I don't think he really cares. Just by looking at him, and I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, 
but you look at him and you're, I've, you say he doesn't really care he, he only cares listen if, if there wasn't another centre forward in the club I still you know I still don't believe that he'd be honest enough to have a real go and feel privileged that he's in that position you bring someone in and in a certain way you look at Luke Shaw in a certain way he's had a little bit of a you know he's he's had a little bit of a wake up call and he's he's pushed on exactly yeah. but no, nowhere nowhere maybe of a of a, a very very good Manchester left back I think I still think he's there's still doubts about him but he has he has moved on he's still more, yeah Luke Shaw now looks like the best what you think he could be with what he's got yeah he's still he's still lacking still lacking but he's better than what he was before because of a signing was made that affected him mentally and that's the reaction what you wanted that's the reaction that Ollie wanted and it's proved the point because he liked him but he turned around and said I can't really I need something better out on that left hand side and and he's, he's, he's woke him up he's, and that's what he's gone and done Marcio it hasn't his idea it just you know he, he got to you know it, it just, it's just not materialising the Ibrahimovic one was rattled even more wasn't it by the fact of he lost his number nine shirt yeah. over that which I find, I find that quite petty to be perfectly honest but still that should never have happened really at the end of the day the manager took the took, took and should have judged him and said nah don't do that should have known him as a person and gone no leave that as is regardless of um, the ego of um, Ibrahimovic he should have said sorry can't do that I've got to stick to my plan and that might have given the man- Ibrahimovic might have had that little bit more respect for the manager knowing that the manager's backing his player because he knows then he's going to back him but Martial, for me, has had his time. This, for me, this is his last season. So I just don't think the real Manchester United fans are, are going to stand, are going to have it anymore. And they, they don't. They want to see him now. And he's 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 a squad player. But even then, he's a squad player. But you know that when you bring him on, you don't believe you're going to get enough for him. Someone who wants to go out there and you know open the throttle up and have a real go. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's going to be the theme of what we're talking about, really. Um, and I don't want to say that I sound like I'm just throwing Marcel under the bus because he, I don't say that he's, he was the main reason or only reason for the two performances that were so below par, really. Um, it's been a, more than that, Wayne. It's, just, been, it's, yeah. been, it's been it's been over a longer period of time yeah. than just yeah. the last two games because you can't. Yes, the last two games haven't been great. But there has been some, you know, some really good performances and some good wins. So no, it's, it's been over a duration of time. Yeah. That's the thing. So that that's that's the bit, and and that's that's the side of it. Consistency. Great sides are consistent. Great great players who are called great players are cons- are consistent. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a very key point as well because we, you do put it under the microscope more when it's not going well. But what you've just said there, we, if you look back, and we were saying this on the last episode, I'm sure we did, where we were talking about the run of form and the wins and everything like that, and we were saying, actually, those wins were quite narrow. They were a goal, you know, they were only winning by goal. And if you've got a striker in form, those wins are a lot more comprehensive. You're Correct. breeding a lot more com- confidence. And I, you're right, you're right. I think Martial's way is just to play through the way that he always has done and maybe he's looking at Cavani's age and thinking, well, that number, I'm still playing, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but like I said, the underperformance of the last week, um, he was just he was just a part of it. Um, and it, because he, United was so blunt in attack, that's the place where you kind of focus. But I think... 
as well, Paul, to move away from Martial then and to move back onto the squad. I think what we saw over the last week, first of all, is, is two things. Firstly, that we can make two or three changes and the level still drops so significantly that we're in that area where we struggle to beat any team in the division. So what we saw against Sheffield United, which is what we'll talk about now, because obviously we'll talk about Arsenal in a moment, but against Sheffield United, it wasn't just an off night. We knew that that could happen. You you look at, you said Greenwood can sometimes go out of games, and he did. United really did. The areas what not, we are concerned about United missing all seem to be there. You know, Matic like, perhaps looks too old for this level now in that kind of game. United missing the right hand side with Greenwood not being at his best and the natural width that you want from a player on that area either way yeah, and then the, the ball playing centre half who can bring it up the, the pitch by 10 yards and stop all that wasting 30 seconds of time that goes between the centre halves and then back to the goalkeeper is crippling the team mm. and we talked about rotating against Sheffield United and the, and, and the sort of pitfalls against doing that but the point is Paul that United should have an 11 with rotation that's good enough to win but we also knew that that United team is capable of what we did see so it's no surprises but it's so bitterly disappointing when you're hoping that the runner fixtures that we'd seen meant that that sort of complacency has gone so it's so frustrating to see it come in again isn't it yeah it certainly is and I just I looked at Ollie. I, I looked at the, the team and to be honest I I didn't. I didn't see the game. I listened to the game. The sec. I listened to thirty-five minutes of the second half in my car driving home from the Brighton v Fulham game. So I listened to it. So I was listening to Trevor Sinclair on the radio, and just by listening to how he was saying it, what was going on, and then speaking to other people who saw it, Trevor Sinclair was actually, was actually spot on. To be perfectly honest, in what he in his assessment of what was going on. And he was questioning he was questioning a lot of the players. And it boils down to is that the players went out and they was waiting for it to happen. Yeah. Rather than actually making it happen. Sounds easy, sounds a bit of a cliche, but it's a fact. If you you can't switch on and switch off. You have if you don't start the right way, it's very, very difficult to flip it round. United have been quite fortunate this season that they've gone in behind and they've managed to flip it round. So when they go behind, oh it's alright, we'll get back in it. So when they get back in it, oh it's alright now, we'll go on and win it. It's gonna happen now. But it doesn't happen. They switch off and it is it's just not there. So you see all all the things that haven't been good come out against a side that has only had one win and thank God they had that one win prior to playing against Manchester United because it had been even more embarrassing if they had Sheffield United's first win was against United and we've got to, remember, got to remember as well Sheffield United when they've been beaten it's always been by the odd goal Yeah, it hasn't been like a West Bromwich Albion mm. they've been beaten by the odd goal City beaten by the odd goal they fight. They don't stop fighting. They're not a bad team. They're just a side that really inferior, lacking a little bit of quality in the, f- in the front line because they can't score goals. Mm. They haven't and got they've that. also been hurt by Henderson going as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, Henderson going. They're missing their best. Um, I think oh, is it is it O'Donnell to centre half? Yeah, they've missed defenders as well. Yeah, they've they? missed defenders, and he's their main one. He was, I think, their left-sided one. who was very good. 
very good for them. So they're missing, but they haven't. He hasn't. Chris Wilder hasn't talked about it, moaned about it. He gets on with it because he knows it's football. No one's going to feel sorry for him. No one's going to go, oh, we just seize off because of you're missing key players. No, he gets on with it. And sometimes you get what you deserve in the end, and then you get respect because people understand you're not making excuses. You're playing. So United go out there with really no respect for a side that they just saw at the bottom of the league. And they, and, they got it, and they got it wrong and some of those players couldn't switch around because really in theory they don't really understand and want, want it enough to be Manchester United players they had the opportunity to still be at the top of the league they never grabbed it and, it, and generally in those kind of nights as I remember they were incredible nights or day, whatever it is when you've got a chance of keeping staying at the top of the league or knowing that a win's going to take you there mm. and they never grab that they, they, a lot of them don't really understand it or don't get it to winning leagues they, I think they're just content some of them just to play football be playing for Manchester United and picking up good money and as far as I'm concerned you play for Manchester United because you want the accolades you want to massage your ego you want to you want to achieve something and lord it. That's what you want to do. The wages come. The wages bit for me comes is the next bit. There's the next bit after. If I wanted to earn more money, I wouldn't have gone and played for Manchester United. I would have stayed in London mm. and gone and signed for the team that I supported as a boy. I didn't. I took on something that could have. In, in theory, for anyone who goes and takes it on, it could cost you if you don't. But at least you know you've tried, rather than actually not taking the opportunity on but I think a lot of them are just content and I think that game opened it all up after the Liverpool game oh we've done great we're beating Liverpool at home we've done great no you've got to do more than that it's great beating Liverpool but the next thing on is that the next game after is even just it's, it's just as hard maybe harder because everyone's living off the back of that the fans would have been on a high You've got to go out again and go and prove your worth after beating Liverpool, but you don't. Everything you've done has gone down the drain. That's what they've done. And they took that performance into a, a, a so-called big game, a big game, an old, a big game of old. A side that is on a good run, um, who had a poor result in an FA Cup, went back, built, built bridges against the same side, but away from home. And bang, they've come into the game on a on a bit of a high. United go into that next game, and it's always it was always going to be difficult. And I think you remember Wayne. How many times I talked about the boss, and him went about the boss about when you when he plays in big games and things like that. How he looks at he always the boss is was is so performance orientated, yeah. and he would have known already after that game against Sheffield United and something like. And it happened. It's happened in all these sides. You have, you have that poor performance, you have that shock result. In, in, the, in the next game that's coming up, he'd be in your face because he knows that after a poor performance, he knows he can't allow that to happen again going into a big game on the back of a poor performance. That's why he was always on to us. Our first, when we was playing games before Liverpool or Leeds at the time, an Arsenal, a Tottenham or a European game, the next the game prior to that, you got to perform because so everyone's on a high because they feel good in themselves. I, I bet a lot of them didn't feel good in themselves going into that Arsenal game, mm. and it and it showed Wayne. Yeah, and do you know what as well? Um, I think the past few weeks, because of the fact that we can now look at the noticeable um, improvement in some players under Ollie, 
I think that's putting more responsibility onto the players. You know that it's sort of taking away the argument that they had under Mourinho and Van Gaal. There's no hiding place anymore. They're at the top of the table. They know that really, Ollie's going to get a lot of praise for bumping them into that position because of the improvement of some of those players. So now United, United's players, especially against a team like Sheffield United, with all due respect, the players should be good enough to, to take that game and beat it. So, yeah, you, you, you're left questioning their mentality, really, or, or sort of, like you said, application, maybe. Is a, is a, I don't even know what the right term, but the, the sort of any kind of gumption for playing for Manchester United. So they went from an home game against one of the worst ever Premier League teams to an away game against the worst ever Premier League team for Arsenal, um, who were missing three of the best players, and they were so poor. Um, You could hear Ole, I say were so poor, United were so poor as well. You you could hear Ole getting frustrated with them. You know, he's like, you take them on, get them, Rashid, you know, and... Roy Keane on Sky Sports said United's players are frightened perhaps by the fact that they were being talked into a title challenge. I'm reminded of that quote um, by Apollo Creed in Rocky 3 when Rocky's struggling to train for his rematch with Club Alang and Apollo gets really cross with him. He's going, there is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. And you look at Leicester a few years ago for that point. You know that it's all right saying next year you've got a title challenge. We don't know. But you're in one. You're possibly in one now. You've played yourself into the position. You don't have a guarantee that this is going to come around again. And at the time, I remember thinking, I thought Roy was a little harsh. But then in the 48 hours since then, I'm thinking, no, I, I think he's right because that's the standard. You know, they were scared. They'll never have an, a better opportunity to drill an Arsenal team into the ground. We all thought that team was good enough to, but they didn't. And perhaps they don't believe that perhaps they're not good enough the point is Paul is, and we, we were saying it earlier with Martial but it goes for every single player at the club you won't survive at United at the level they should be at if you don't take the chance and you don't impose yourself on it having said that we still have the best chances in the game Fernandez with that curler that should have hit the target Rashford also can't get it out of his feet and he should have anticipated it better two Cavani moments which he should have scored at least one of those Paul one of those four big chances has got to be a goal and none of them even tested the goalkeeper I don't think that Roy was being harsh. I think, you know, now I've thought about it. At the time, I thought, yeah, do you know what? Saying they're, they're frightened, but that's probably what that performance was, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Roy, even if it's not football, Roy will just come out and say it. And there's many a time, and I've seen many a people around where Roy has said something and those people straight away you could see their fists clenching because they, cause Roy has said something quite harsh and quite, you know, and that's the way Roy is. and and he's always going to be that way. He ain't going to change. And nine times out of ten, he's right because he gets things in his head right and he holds it in. He's, he's got an incredible memory store. I've seen him rip people apart, and he brings, you know, in, in the changing room, and he brings and he rips people apart, and he's bringing stuff back from ages ago where he's watched them and what they've been doing and how their attitudes been, and about them turning up with you know big cars and who the hell do they think they are? And that's Roy. So Roy does come out and say it, but he's right this time. This is this team. I'm I'm surprised that they're in a hunt to win the league. To be perfectly honest, because it's not a good Manchester United team. They've been fortunate in a way, lucky 
that what's gone on in the world and what's happening with football and the way it's gone is that they're in the race because in in a normal circumstances they wouldn't be in the race this team mm. they wouldn't not be they would not be in the race and to be perfectly honest you can see why they shouldn't be in the race because they don't know really how to go about it to be honest really there's a few kidding themselves in my in my opinion and they're playing in a in a, in a fashion that they're just about getting over the line yes and I'm I'm I am critical I I do I am a sceptic and, and maybe I'm a bit judgmental when I, see, when I watch Manchester United teams and I look at individuals, but I, I really don't believe that back line is still anywhere near good enough. As much as it's improved and we went a lot with continuity and you thought to yourself, right, he's got it, but, but, but when you look at the defence and you think to yourself, you, you make two changes against Sheffield United when you didn't really have to. Two and Zabi, you think, OK, you're bringing him in because I think Baye and maybe Lindelof was feeling something, but you bring one in. But then you leave Luke Shaw out as well. Mm. You know, you think, just just make the one. Keep it as solid as you can. Keep the back... Just, just you know, that's the main bit you don't really want to be messing about with too often now. And you see the, the teams... With the, even Pep's not messing around with it. So that tells you something, that he's understood it now about it. And then you look at the Arsenal game and you think to yourself, yeah, they was all right, but they weren't good enough. The team are too over-reliant on one player. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the most embarrassing thing for me. One player makes a difference. When he's not playing, when he comes, <clears throat> you know, and I'm there and the commentator's saying to me, he's not in the game, Paul, and I'm going to myself, yeah, Arsenal are doing a real... Arsenal are, are keeping him away. They're not, they're, not, they're not giving him... When he does get on the ball, we can't find the avenues because they were dropping deep. They weren't really allowing United to get in behind them because he wants to drop balls in behind for Rashford to run. And, and, but really, in theory, no, it wasn't so much. It was, it was about he couldn't find a space. His frustrations were showing. He had to hunt with people around because you could see him when he gets on the ball. And the problem is the likes of... Rashford, Martial, even Greenwood, they're waiting for him to hit the pass. They're all in that position. Yeah, but if, yeah, and what the problem is, is that you've got to gamble. You've got to turn around. You make, you make the pass. Yeah. You make the pass, and then you scream at him rather than him scream at you because you haven't done it. The moment he gets the ball, Fernandez, he sees a space, his head goes down. That's the, his head goes down because he has to make sure that one, he can see the ball and he, actually, he can actually see where he wants to hit the ball to, to actually to pull it where he, he's hoping it's going to go. And once that, it's no point going once his head's down because obviously then you've missed it, the defender's read it, or you're going to be offside. Mm. You've got to make, and they don't, they don't do it. And that's where, and I keep, I keep bringing them up and everyone we do, matter comes to mind. Matter, not the quickest, as everyone keeps saying now, he's getting old, so he's not quick. Cavani ain't bad, is he? And he's supposed to be old, by the way. Mm. But Matt has got a quickness of mind. And I'll throw another one, Teddy Sheridan. Teddy Sheridan would run in behind, would get in behind people because he's, because he's, done, he's done the work before. Yeah. The others, these others don't, don't read it. Yeah, no, they it's right. It's a, the thing is, Paul, as well, the, um, when we're talking about this sort of Oh, frightened attitude. That's not even being critical. It, and people would think it is people because there's like such a d- 
um, I, you wouldn't see it, but I see it because I'm a supporter and I, I read more of the stuff. But the, you criticise someone like Martial, and there is there's a section of support that love Martial so much that any fault of his is actually the manager's. Now, it doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what happens, really. Because it doesn't matter what Ray Keane says in punditry. Nobody hands anybody a medal for sympathy. Or because you think that you're good enough. Or because some players, uh, some, some supporters, seem to have a preference for a player like Martial. Nobody gives you the medal out of sympathy, do they? That's and and that's the thing with United. Uh, I said the thing with United. It's not really the thing with United, but it's a major point at the moment where I think that people read that into it. But at the end of the day, if you're not good enough, you don't win. You don't win the title, and that's the point. That's the point of it all. And some of these people and players, I think, thought that they were good enough, that, and they've hid behind managers. And now they can't, and they're not good enough. And you don't get the medal at the end of the day, Paul, for sympathy. Do you know no, that? You, no, you don't. You don't. You don't. You, you don't want suddenly the old medal. When I was a kid, there always used to be that one clubman of the year and things like that. That's somebody who's quite who's hasn't really played a lot. He's had the odd game. He's kind of just comes on a sub or something. But he's been a good egg because he hasn't moaned about. It. He's just got on with it, you know, and accepted it. And you don't want that. You don't. You don't want that one. But I think to hit the nail on the head, is I think the expectancy since they got to the top when they got to the top of the league has went beyond. It went far too far. There wasn't too many truths being said, and maybe they should have been said. They should have been a lot of everyone was out there going to do this. There was a, certain people I've seen are the older school supporters who've been there, seen it all, and can re- relate into these, this squad of players to other, other squads. And they knew it themselves, that they were fortunate to be in this position. I don't think the players realised it, and to dig in there. And when you see other sides, and you see, you see the way they are, you can see why this team can't win the Premier League this season. They, you, they, they just can't, they can't do it. Everyone wants to talk about... Leicester, because they were they're, they're they're in with a shout, and it's the numbers game. They are in with a shout because they're close, and it's a it's a good way to come back. Yeah, they're, they're, they're within a shot, but when you go and lose at home to Leeds three one, yeah, like Leicester. When Leicester get get on the periphery, every time they get close, everyone starts talking about them. They blow it. Is it the players or is it the manager? Brendan Rodgers has spent a lot of times doing that, doing that for teams, getting there, getting close, and the moment everyone puts puts. Puts him there, you know, in the marketplaces, getting a big job or becoming an England manager or something. It goes pear shaped. They're missing Vardy. Yeah. Vardy doesn't hardly touch the ball, but his unselfish runs make a big difference for Leicester City because it because it opens up teams. The moment when I was I was in certain ways lucky, the team I played in, or the fact I was quick as well. The moment I went to United, I learned, there was a different way of playing the back four. You know, Steve Bruce, not the quickest, but the quickest in his head. He was never going to allow himself to be stretched out or allow being too far away from his midfield players because he wanted to condense the space. Teams now, defensively, they're scared of Vardy. So they're scared of playing offsides. They're scared. Even though with VAR, they're scared because it's a threat because VAR, someone in there could cock up as we see they do in certain ways. Yeah. So what he does, he stretches them out. And that allows 
let's start to play. Madison comes into games. Big gaps for him to get in between and play in front and look lovely. But they haven't got Vardy. They haven't got a player in that squad who's, who's willing to make those runs, maybe unnecessary runs, but Vardy does it. Doesn't moan. He doesn't get a pass. He might get caught offside, but then it affects defenders' minds. So they drop deeper. And the moment... So they, so they dropped it, but let's. But they don't do it, and that allowed because they didn't have him. Leeds, the game was quite condensed. Leeds are quite good when it's condensed. It keeps them tight, and they don't get opened up as what they did at Old Trafford. Mm. So straight away, Lee. This was said to me. I was, you know, someone I just chatted to over the weekend said this to me about about that game, and I thought was a ball. And all of a sudden, it, it kept in my head, and I see that game. I see it, and it was a hundred percent right. The way the way the way it worked for um <clears throat> for Leicester. So there's, there's so Leicester have fallen a little bit away. Tottenham, you know, sink sink. You know, everything was right. Playing, you know, beat United six one. Things are going great. All of a sudden, a month or so down the line, from them being at the top of the league, what are they eleven points off now? Mm, yeah. And things things are turned. So they're falling away. And all we see now <laughs> is City, who are looking strong you never said that about City before looking looking strong looking resourceful you never said that before about City the one thing they're not they're not as elegant and they're not free flowing as they used to be but they're more resilient yeah and the, the City can um, thrive in the sterile environment they really yeah. can can't they so yeah well that's, that's the big thing and I thought that was getting a bit, bit of United strengths West Ham in a way are content to be playing in this sterile atmosphere, environment, whatever you want to say, because they're normally getting abused by their fans all the time because they are cynical, and yet they're kind of playing. Everyone's moaning about the stadium, the stadium, no atmosphere. They're thriving in this no atmosphere. So that one's, that's been put to bed now anyway. The supporters can't be saying that. But United have struggled. They've struggled. Even away from home, even though they're winning games, they've won games, I should say, they struggle because they always keep going behind and having to always chase it. So it isn't 100%. At home, they beat Liverpool in the FA Cup, but you look at it league form-wise, it's awful. Yeah, it's, it's it, it, it is awful. So there's a long way, still a long, long way to go for United to really be a side that's going to go out and win a Premier League, win a proper Premier League. Yeah. Not, not this Premier League, this, a proper Premier League. It, it does remind me of um, something that I posted online as well. United um, in 2006 they had Rooney, Ronaldo, Van Nistelrooy playing and at the time Sunderland were going down um, and they they I think at the time they were the worst Premier League team in history so this is 2000, 2006 I'm going to say so they were really bad they were going down like a bullet um, and United drew nil-nil with them and they sort of destroyed their title up so it was like a year too early for them but they what I'm saying is that they had the, the players in there they had the majority of the players in there but they were two or three players short of really stepping up to the thing and, and at the point Van Nistelrooy was becoming um, a dead weight in the team still a great striker but for United's vibrancy and what they wanted to do he wasn't the right fit anymore and Fergie made the bold decisions as he always did, and United moved on. And they, yeah. you know, they built. So what I'm trying to say is, we can all. Sometimes you said about the cliche. Sometimes the cliche is true. Sometimes 
the obvious thing is the obvious thing. So you can see where those two or three players can make a massive difference in that United team. That's what's holding them back. United, Oli has done so well to get them as far as that and to say like those two or three areas can have a massive improvement. It's like we've said before, Paul, Bruno Fernandes was not the best player in Europe when we signed him. People weren't talking about him like that, but he's come in and had a transformative effect. So I'm, what I'm trying to say is, in those other areas, you don't need to go out and get Jadon Sancho necessarily. There's going to be a right winger out there that's good enough to come in and, and just make an improvement on that side and once it makes an improvement on that side you see a big step forward it might not be the definite step forward for United winning a title but a good right winger will make a massive difference won't it it's, it's easy to see that, that kind of thing guys and it, it just comes back to that what we were saying earlier you know about being critical and, and Roy Keane's comments you know this is this is the difference. This is the hard yards between winning a league and not winning a league. Now you're in contention for doing it. You need like it doesn't matter what Roy Keane says. It doesn't matter what we say on a podcast. You need to. Those players need to step up and and be better than what they are because that is the difference. Yeah, I just wonder how many players. I, I, I mean, just even to think now, how many of them have actually won a league? De Gea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and there's it, it, a big difference. There is a bit. There is a big difference. Uh, United, sorry, but obviously Cavani elsewhere. Uh, yeah, um, and a yeah. Of I was, yeah, I was talking because I mean, a Premier League is is always going to be different to any league out outside. Yeah. There's always, there's, a, there's a big difference. That's the reason why some good players, top players, have come in and failed because it's different. It's a different kind of football. It's a more strenuous football. Saying that wherever you go, in this moment in time, football is strenuous. For, for clubs, every everyone is physically, you know, saying all these reasons why they're struggling and why they're resting people. But um, United, they're still they're still away from it. It was it was good talk. It was good while it lasted. But what they've got to do is that they've got to seriously. Now, Oli's going to have to be truthful and honest and upfront with people. It could bounce back against him because he might just maybe lose people. But he's got to make them aware of where they are and what he's looking for and if they can't deliver then he's got to move them on it'd be great for him to win to win a trophy yeah I think that's what he needs he needs to win a trophy for his own sake and for and for Manchester United as well but for him as a person which is I'm sure he's looking at first for him to win it because it's the one thing that people throw up in his face like they did Pochettino they kept throwing out at Pochettino all the time you haven't won anything but Pochettino proved what he, a good manager is by what he achieved by Tottenham playing at Wembley and he was consistently qualifying for the Champions League yeah um well, yeah, uh, and I, I guess we're on transfer deadline day. We're not likely to see anyone coming in, so you, you're basically going to be seeing this squad to the end of the season. So as ruthless as Ollie's going to be at some point, we know it's not going to be right now because he, he's got a track record. We know this, then, and it's a quality as much as anything that he's going to give them enough rope to sort of say, all right, this is what you've got this chance. You are still going to get that chance. It's up to you to do it, and at the end, hopefully, we'll be um, ruthless. Um, you talked about being honest as well. Obviously, the Sheffield United result was devastating. It was really poor. Ollie, after the Arsenal game, was saying positive things about the performance. I, I didn't agree with that, but I, I guess when you look at it, you could say United had the better chances, and you could 
then say, well, it's a result to build upon, rather than, you know, obviously the Sheffield United one isn't. But the Arsenal game, okay, was progress. It was a little bit better than Sheffield United. Not not great, but a result to build upon nonetheless. So you could say you could generate some positive momentum from that. But you've got Southampton tomorrow, Everton at the weekend. Paul, it's imperative that we get six points from those games, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt. If I remember the Southampton game was... The Southampton game, it was... I'm trying to think what it was. That was post-lockdown, wasn't it? Yeah, Southampton it was at near the Trav- end of the season where they got the yeah, well, equaliser, yeah. Yeah, it was, yes, if I remember right. Yeah, I remember Harry Maguire got beat on the touchline, didn't he, at the East End? And and then Lindelof in, I think it was injury time, let the play get in front of him. Yes, yeah. right, yes. So it, was, it wasn't the greatest of, defend, of defending in that game. But Southampton at the moment have hit a little bit of a wall. They have, they've lost that little bit. So it could be a moment, for, you know, to get your job done properly, or it could be when Southampton bite back. Mm. You know, it's, that's how it, it is at the moment in time. You really, it's, it's totally, totally unpredictable at the moment, football. So you don't really know. Everton were, I had, uh, I had, I, had to, I sat and watched that for some unknown reason. I was there watching that. I don't know what, saying that. I know the reason why I watched it because there's nothing else to do in, in the world at the moment. So I, <laughs> so I sat and watched that. I, I, I was desperately trying to fall asleep. It wasn't happening at midday, but it was awful. And Everton were awful, uninspiring, never nothing about them at all. That suggests to me that there's every chance United could fail against them because all of a <laughs> yeah. sudden it, it could be a you know it's a biggish game for them. It's one that Ancelotti would want you know would want to go and do something. So it's a, it's a concern. Everton at Old Trafford, it's one of them you don't really know. They normally come there and have a little bit of a good performance. Very rarely do they come and lie down, to be honest, Everton. So they're games which two weeks ago, United, everyone would have gone, yep, they're going to win, they're going to win. Because you look at the run of games, you would have gone Arsenal at the Emirates. Mm. But then Sheffield United at home, you would have gone Southampton at home, and then you would have gone Everton at home. Yeah. Is it Southampton at home? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the, the, is, the yeah. next three games are Southampton. Obviously, we've got the FA Cup in, in there as well, but Southampton, Everton, and West Brom. And he said, obviously, it's easier said than done, especially for this United team, but nine points from those completely again transforms the mood, the objective. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's a massive, massive month for United this. Oh, yeah, without, without a doubt. And I'll tell you what's going to be another difficult game. Is West Bromwich Albion. Yeah. It'll be difficult because Big Sam, all, all he's got to talk about at the moment in time is, be, is getting a point at Anfield. And he used that and he said, it's, it's bit him in the arse, to be perfectly honest, yeah. the moment he said what he said after that with his ego. But then getting something against United, he would love that. And his ego would, his ego would you know, have to massage it back into his body again. And Christ, that would be hard work. <laughs> but, um, so yeah. again, that, that mentally, mentally, that's another hard game because everyone's going to be again bringing up the Sheffield United game yeah. to them. I'm sure Ollie may be thinking about that, but I know the players will be thinking about that. The ones who played in that game who had to suffer in the indignity of it about you know that Sheffield United game, so they're going to have to think about it. So I hope that that kind of gets them in the right frame of mind as well, and hopefully they'll go, be going into that game on the back of two wins. Because it's the last thing you want to be doing is going into that game when you haven't performed and you haven't got the results prior 
in the other in um in the two home games. Yeah, and those are the games we'll be talking about on next week's show. Um, Everton and Southampton. Um, we'll be playing Everton on Saturday the sixth of February, which is obviously the anniversary of Munich, the tragic accident on February sixth, nineteen fifty-eight, where we we lost Jeff Bent, Roger Byrne, Eddie Coleman, Mark Jones, David Pegg. Tommy Taylor, Billy Whelan, and then Duncan Edwards a couple of weeks after that. Um, as well, obviously, as Walter Crickmer, Tom Curry, and Bert Wally as well. They will never be forgotten. Um, and, you know, I'm sure the club will um, commemorate it in, in the way that they always do. Um, but we'll be back next week to talk about those games. Um, remember, TOTD10 for a 10% discount with classic football shirts. Please leave us a nice rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Don't treat me too meanly for being really harsh this week on United. Um, but it's, it's because I love the club and I'm thinking the standards are there to be set and to be better. Um, and I, we're so close that it's frustrating when we see what we did last week. Um, so, yeah, don't be too harsh on me. Um, I'm normally more positive. Um, we'll be back next week. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening. <laughs>